You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God's inviting grace transforms our devotional life. Learn more about this truth in week five of our series, Amazing Grace. Today we're going to look at one more scripture text in Hebrews chapter 4 to understand the ultimate source or the ultimate place of grace and we've entitled this inviting grace verse 14 of hebrews says this since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The book of Hebrews was written primarily to encourage the Jewish believers who were being persecuted uh, all across the Roman Empire. Now, as we know, the gospel writers, for the most part, were Jews. And, of course, Jesus himself was Jewish by by ethnicity. But as the gospel began to spread, it began to spread more towards the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. And pretty much we're all Gentiles here, unless you have Jewish roots. And God's intention has always been to make the gospel available to all the nations, and so, but there, still, there was a remnant of Jewish believers. And apparently, because they were undergoing severe persecution, as you will read the letter, their houses were being confiscated, their properties, they were being imprisoned, they were insulted, beaten up. They were tempted to give up. And, you know, that can happen, isn't it? You know, this Christian walk was never meant to be an easy thing. You know, it costs something to follow Jesus. If it never costs you anything, then there's not much uh, that you really have given up, isn't it? You know, one pastor said it this way, Our salvation is free. How many of you are glad? Come on, salvation is a free gift. But it will cost you everything to follow Christ. So if you think, oh, it can be easy Christian, well, wait until persecution happens. We have it easy here because we have freedom in the Philippines. Now, I'm not wanting persecution. I'm just saying, whether we have it or not, the passion to follow Christ, I believe, is something that God is looking for. And so here, they were being tempted to go back to their old Jewish way, the Judaism. And the author, he's not identified. Some say Paul, Barnabas, but obviously he's Jewish. So verse 14, let us hold fast. Our confession. Because there is great reward. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading not just this text, but the, the whole entire book of Hebrews where you see some of these other admonitions. And so, as I said, it was written to help encourage the Jew believers not to give in their faith. And he encourages them by giving them an understanding that they are, and so us as well, recipients of a much better covenant. Kung sa tingin nyo yung Old Covenant, yung Old Testament, eh, bless na kayo, mas maganda pa to. So yun sinasabi niya. Kaya huwag kayong 
bibitiw. And so, here, what we're seeing in this text, as well as the rest of the book of Hebrews, the central role of Jesus Christ as the mediator of the new covenant between God and His people. Now, i-qualify ko po yun because uh, I've mentioned several terms that, okay, you know what they are, you know, mediator, um, high priest, but what do they really mean? And so that's what really what I want to share in this message, three spiritual truths that help us understand why God invites us to partake of His grace. And so it starts off with the first truth that we see in this text, that we need a high priest to approach God. What does that mean? A high priest, you know, when the term priest is familiar to us because of our culture, religious culture, and some say priest, some say minister, some say pastor, but... We understand that the priest seems to be a privileged person. And the concept really is consistent in some way with the scripture. But the problem many times is somehow, I think maybe in our ignorance, we thought, oh, maybe because he's a priest or he's a pastor, maybe he's closer to God than I am. And this happens all the time, isn't it? You go to a pastor, you go to a priest, he said, can you pray for me? Okay, you know, you can pray to God too, you know that? And sure, we can pray for you, but many times our prayer is really simply agreeing with what you want to ask God for. And so, I'm getting ahead of myself, but what I want us to understand is this. How did this idea of a high priest come into being? Well, when Israel were slaves of Egypt, the Lord heard their cry, He set them free, He delivered them from, you know, through the ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, and finally they're on Mount Sinai, and God is initiating a covenant with them. And we know that covenant is summarized in the Ten Commandments. Okay, if you read that, Exodus 19, 20, Deuteronomy, somewhere there. Okay, so, um, and in summary of those moral and civil laws, he creates what's called, he institutes rather through Moses what's called the sacrificial system. What is that? It is the means by which people, the Jewish, the Israelites, could approach God. God's desire, listen, God's desire has always been to be with you and me, with people. You know, God is not some distant God. Some people, oh, God is so far away, I can't reach Him. No, no, no. All throughout Scripture, God's desire has always been to be with His people. But, you cannot just approach God the way you like. There is a certain protocol. And that's what the sacrificial system is all about. How do you properly approach God? And so, he instituted a sacrificial system, and it's an elaborate system. It's there in, in uh, Leviticus. Okay? Some people don't understand it, but it's really, there's a sin offering, there's a guilt offering. There's, it's usually all animals, isn't it? And sometimes grain, sometimes oil, sometimes birds. It's all intended to help us have access to God. And particularly for animal sacrifice. Why is that? Because the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. This understanding of a blood sacrifice was instituted, ingrained among the Jewish people. I think it's also perhaps in the surrounding 
Middle Eastern culture. I, I still have to study that. But at least for the Jewish people, alam natin, kailangan merong sacrifice if you're going to approach God. And of course, we know that ultimately points to what our Lord Jesus Christ would do, isn't it? When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you don't know Old Testament history, you won't appreciate what it means for Jesus to be the Lamb of God. But when you understand this, wow, Jesus, how valuable and how important He is to each one of us. The priest would carry the sacrifice, he was a human being, of the line of Aaron. Aaron was a brother of Moses, and God chose the Aaronic priesthood because, if you remember the story, they committed idolatry, they built a golden calf, God was angry, He was about to destroy them, but the Levites rose up and destroyed those idol bakers, and so God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, you're going to be my priest. Nakakapanghinayang, kasi gusto sana ni Lord, lahat ng tao priests unto God. But because of the sin, pinili lang niya yung Levites for that role. And so what is a priest? A priest has the privilege of drawing near to God. Sila lang po yung may pribilehyo na lumapit sa Panginoon to offer gifts and sacrifices acceptable to God. Okay, so that's the whole thing. Uh, we don't have time, but I, that's enough for you to grasp this because if you understand this, then the rest of Scripture will make sense. And sabi niya, okay, dun sa ano, that, that's what a high priest is. So, see the contrast. The, the priest represents the people to God. The prophet, which is also another ministry, represents God to the people. So, how did God relate with the people of God, through the priest, through the offerings, through the blessing, and through the prophet. Why was it so important? Because God wanted to bless His people. And so this was the way they accessed the presence of God in the Old Testament. However, there was one major problem, and that is this. Eventually, the priests would die because they were humans, right? And... Kailangan palitan lagi. Not only that, sometimes the priests would be corrupt. And so, you know, Eli's sons were like that. And you'll see that in some of the scriptures. And so, whenever that happened, it would hinder the Israelites from accessing God. Because, you know, there was no mediator. Okay, I'm introducing the word mediator. Because really, those are um, synonymous in, in its role. Which brings us to the second truth here. Okay, so we need a high priest. You understand that? It's true for the Israelites. It's true for you and me. If we're going to approach God, we need someone, a priest, a mediator, an intercessor, or more simply, a bridge. Okay, I think that's something you can identify with. And a bridge, you know, there's physical bridges. As I said in the, first, in the earlier service, the bridge, it's not technically a bridge, but it's, it's a skyway. I have been longing for it for so many years, the Skyway 3. Okay, alam nyo di ba? It's going to connect NLEX with SLEX. Pag nangyari yon, they're saying the traffic will be drastically reduced 
because the trucks can pass, rather than pass on C5, it can be on. How many of you know that's a wonderful thing? Now, unfortunately, a fire broke out in Pandakan last week, I think it was. And so a section fell. Now it's probably the first half of 2020. And Panayang assure sa atin, konting tiis na lang. You know, we're losing about 4 billion new pesos a day in lost productivity because of the traffic. You know, even if we had 300 million pesos worth of infrastructure, it's nothing compared to the losses. Do you live in Metro Manila? Okay. Am I the only one who's stressed out with traffic? The bridge connects two parties together. And that's what a mediator is. Now, let's put it in relational terms. If you've ever been in a conflict with your spouse, with a friend, with your children, with your parents, with your church mates, with your office mates, normally, hopefully, the nature of the conflict is such that you can reconcile just between the two of you. But you know, sometimes you can't, right? It's so hard to do that because the conflict is so intense. And so guess what happens? What do you hope to do to be reconciled? You get a third party, isn't it? And that person is called the, the bridge, the mediator, the intercessor. Now I'm pointing, I get ahead of myself, but let me, not only do we need a mediator, intercessor to, to resolve a conflict, sometimes you also need a mediator, an intercessor to help us get something that would be difficult for us because we don't have the same power or influence, perhaps. You know, you need to invest. And, uh, and this happens all the time, isn't it? You go to a bank, the bank doesn't know you, so you don't really get a big loan. But if there's someone who knows you, who can vouch for your character, you know, that happens, isn't it? You can actually get a much bigger loan. So that person is also a mediator. And I gave an example. Um, last year... Uh, we were applying for a building permit for the house that we're building. And I know I had to get a permit from, from the building official of the city hall. Now, I won't mention the name of the city, but let's just say it's the biggest city in Metro Manila. And I had heard, okay, so if you're from the city hall, please. So this is not uh, a general statement, but I heard medyo korrupt. Unfortunately, that's true for much of Metro Manila. Okay? You know, we live in a world that doesn't follow Christ. I think we all know the culture of corruption is just so ingrained. It's like we just accept it, isn't it? And so, I was anxious. If I don't follow the culture, then I may be delayed for months because I know one member of our church had to wait almost a year because he wouldn't bribe to get the permit. And so I was dreading that until I found out that one of the persons in charge for the building permits is someone that I know personally. And so I began to talk to the person and the good thing, this person is a man of integrity. And apparently he's been put in charge of an important development in this city. And that is the ease of doing business. You've heard that, right? And, you know, the president has made sure that, you know, it's not hard to get permits and all that. This man was assigned by the city mayor to make 
the bills, bis, uh, the, the permits for building um, fast track. In fact, they got an ISO certification, the first government institution in the Philippines to get that. And now it's actually a model. And it was this man's responsibility. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Uh, he happens to be a member of our church too, by the way. <laughs> All right. How many of you know that man was my intercessor? Now, you have to understand, when I asked him for the permit, I had no intention to compromise on what was needed. And he had no intention to... Alam yung pastor ako, alam kong followers ni Christ. And his passion was to really make it fast-track. So five business working days. So he gave me all the requirements. And sure enough, many of them we complied, but there was some, there was some deficiency in the architectural drawings. Medyo mababa yung pundasyon, 1.2. And so he went back to us. So we, the contractor went about two, three times back and forth. Ito pa yung kulang. And knowing the culture there, Kung 1.2, baka pwede na nilang palampasin yun. Basta gagawa na lang ng hocus-pocus. But you know, this brother of ours tell me, told me, you know, this is actually for your good that you deepen the foundation. And yes, it would cost more, but you know, we decided and our contractor said, let's go ahead and deepen the foundation. So, on my end and on his end, he kept his integrity, I kept my integrity, and we paid the right amount. And yes, it didn't take five days. Actually, it was longer. It took seven days. Come on, but we got the building permit. Hallelujah. What am I saying? This man was my intercessor. And there's something about an intercessor, okay? And I'm alluding to this. The intercessor represents the interests of both parties. What I like about him was, yes, he was my friend, my brother in Christ. Yes, he was also a city official. And so he accomplished his role to fast track, and I was able to get what I needed. Thank God for my intercessor. Now, if you need a building permit from this city hall, let me know. I'll introduce you to him. Hallelujah. All right? Because he's going to play it straight. I did one thing though, what I thought might be good. I introduced him to the city vice mayor, the newly elected vice mayor, who also happens to be a member of our church. Now, spiritual community, okay? Come on now, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Come on now, God adds people, come on, to help us. Come on, we're going to see this city, that city changed, okay? What's the use of hiding it, okay? It's this city, alright? Listen, Jesus is the perfect bridge between God and you and me. Why? Because Jesus is 100% God, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he talks about the sun as the exact representation of his image. So the son and the father are one. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So how many of you realize Jesus is the Son of God? Come on. He is God in the flesh. Hindi lang po siya tao, But yet, He's not God alone. He is also the 100% man. Kaya nga nagkatawang tao siya. Why do we celebrate Christmas? It's God becoming a person. Why did Jesus, why did the Son of God have to become human? Because it was His through His humanity that He would accomplish the work that God had called Him to do, which we know is to be the sacrifice for our sins. Bulls and goats and sheep cannot. You'll have to sacrifice a hundred million sheep in order for you to have a sense of being forgiven of your sins. But how many of you know Jesus only had to die once? Come on now. And that was enough. To pay the penalty of our, for our sins. And so here, let me read the scriptures, Hebrews 2, concerning Jesus. Since therefore the children have share in flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who all through, through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. There it is. In the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, this is what I want to focus on, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is so crucial, brothers and sisters, if we want a high priest. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He's God. You know, he has no problems. He's in control. He's strong. But he became like one of us. But what about us? We're weak. We're subject to temptation. We're mortal. Guess what? When Jesus Christ became a man, he experienced everything that you and I experienced. The discouragement, the temptation, come on, the suffering, all of these things, being hungry, all of these things, except for one thing. He never sinned. Why is that so important? Because it says here, we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with you and me. Kasi minsan, isipin natin, Diyos, ang Diyos naman, eh makapangirin ka eh, mahina lang ako, naiintindihan niyo ba, Lord, kung ano yung dinadaanan ko? And Jesus is saying, yes. I feel what you feel. And I overcame. And because I'm living in you, you can overcome as well. Now, there's one thing here that's so vital. I wasn't really planning on mentioning it, but there's a statement here I think I need to say because, you know, when this morning I shared it, the people who knew me told me that I think that was something that was so set them free. And what is it? It's about the fear of death. You know, we don't like to talk about death, isn't it? 
But every time where I'm at least in a funeral service, I refer to the scripture. In fact, there's another scripture, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But we see him for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That's a powerful statement there. Jesus experienced death on our behalf. Remember, the death He died. Remember, what, what is the cause of death? It's sin. Jesus died, but He never sinned, isn't it? So His death was obviously an unjust death. But the point is, the reason He experienced death is so that you and I don't have to suffer the consequences of death. I'm not just talking about physical death. More importantly, it's eternal death, which is separation from God, which is really what hell is. Jesus, uh, the Hebrew says, He tasted death for everybody. But you know, let's apply it to Hebrews 2. Sabi niya, since he, he suffered, since He was flesh and blood, He experienced everything and He set free those who are fear, who have been, set, who have been enslaved to the fear of death. I don't know of any person who doesn't, have, who doesn't fear dying. I don't know. Obviously, of course, un unless you've been overwhelmed by the lies of the enemy. Unfortunately, that's what happens when people get suicidal. They're so overwhelmed. Do you know that our instinct is to survive? If you're being drowning, you won't drown. I mean, you'll want to go up. Our instinct is survival. And so a person who goes through that, is bombarded with the lies of the enemy, and so they're overwhelmed. And we need to pray. Yes, mental health is a very important. But let me tell you, your spiritual health will help you in your mental health. Anyway, so I've learned this. When I'm praying for people who are either dying or I share the scripture, and this is what I've learned. As loved ones, you know, when you're dying, the most important thing is for your family to be with you, isn't it? And that's what we normally do, isn't it? When our loved ones are in that place, we want to be with them. And if we wish we could stay longer, we plead with God, Lord, sana patagalin niyo pa. Pero alam natin, pag panahon na talaga, we have to accept it, isn't it? And so, the point is this. As loved ones, we want to be with our dying member of the family, but we can only go up to a certain point. When they reach that threshold of death, isn't it? We can't go with them. Or else we're going to die too. And so, putting myself in the person who's dying, it can become fearful because it's like you're going to face death alone. But when I understood this truth, I realized Yes, your loved ones can take you only up to a certain point. But tell me, let me tell you, when they reach that point, there's no one there. Jesus steps in and says, let me take you through death into life because I went through death and I came out good on the other side. You know, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. When you come to a point, and unfortunately, unless we're the generation that is still alive when Jesus comes back, how many of you want to come back? I mean, how many of you want to live until Jesus comes back? I want to live. But I'm turning 60 later this year. 
Okay, I'm not looking forward to it. I used to think I was invincible. Come on. But we're mortal. But let me tell you this. Because of what Jesus is as our high priest, He can go through with you through every stage in your life. Siya po yung aakay sa kamay natin. Pagtawid nyo po, paghuling hininga nyo na, The Bible says, to be absent from the body. Come on, is to be present with Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, don't you realize, come on, God is the one who is your perfect high priest. Uh, you might wonder, ano ba tong pinakinggan kong preaching na to, okay? I'm just preaching the word. But I think we all need to hear this. Which brings us to finally to point number three. And that is the throne we are approaching is a throne of grace, not a throne of judgment. What is a throne? A throne is a place for exercising authority. You know, a king has a throne. It's not just a lazy boy chair which I have at home, which I can swing back. No. When it's God's throne, He's not, yes, He's secure, but He's also exercising His authority. And He's saying to you and me, when you approach my throne, because we need help, we need His power to intervene in our lives, He's not going to bring judgment on you. That's what makes people afraid sometimes to approach God, isn't it? Because they feel like, Lord, am I still going to be? Have I done everything I can? You know, you think about every sin that you want to confess so that you can approach God. Let me tell you, because of what Jesus Christ said, because He took our punishment upon Himself. God's wrath was already poured out on Him when Jesus, when the God the Father and the Son look at you when you approach God. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Come on, there's no wrath. It's only grace. Come on, and love. Come on, and compassion that God has for you. That's what it means. Now you understand. Because Jesus already paid the ultimate price as our high priest, as our sacrifice. And in closing, I'm going to show you a video, a one-minute video of a heartbreaking story of, of a murder that took place and in the midst of the pain of loss and the tragedy of that murder, yet somehow the grace of God was manifested. Uh, sometime in September 2018, a lady police officer by the name of uh, Amber Geiger, 30 years old at that time, had just spent 13 hours on duty with the Dallas police force. And so she drove home. It was in conversation with her boyfriend then. And she was going home, parked, and I don't know if they were going to meet later that night. But what happened was a seeming insignificant mistake turned out very tragic. What happened was she drove to the, her apartments on the third floor of this building, but for some reason she drove off, she drove past the third floor and ended up on the fourth floor. Eh, para-para yung itsura ng mga units, yung, I guess, the apartment units. And so, in her mind, she was on her floor, but she was actually one floor up. And what happened was when she parked, she went straight to her apartment. You know, if you're, 
living in the same place, you don't really think much about where you're going, right? I mean, it's like second nature to you. So as she goes into her apartment, what she thought was her apartment, she sees it open a little bit. And as she goes in, she notices there's a person, there's a silhouette of a man, a huge man. And so she was alarmed. Of course, on the other side, this man named Botham Jean was watching TV. He's a CPA and just really wanting to relax. And so this girl, this lady police officer was taken aback thinking that she was there had a burglar, there was a burglar, so she, you know, she shouts at him and says, you know, stand up and hold up your hand, show me your hands. This man, what's going on? I mean, this is my home. And so this goes on for a few seconds, and unfortunately, you know, on instinct perhaps, because she got, according to her, in her testimony, she was scared because there was this huge man, bam, she shoots him straight to the heart. And as he's dying, I think after a while, she realizes to her horror, hey, this is not my apartment. And so she calls 911. Unfortunately, he dies. And, you know, it's blown up in the news. Tragedy, you know, they charge him, her rather, with manslaughter initially, which is uh, something like an accidental death. But there was such an outcry, you know, and so they changed the case to a murder case and there was a trial and about a year later this was just recent October 2 2019 so just a few months ago she was found guilty of murder even though it seemed like the testimony of her shooting was credible you know she accidentally thought but because she didn't follow the protocol when you're faced with a situation like that. You're supposed to call up backup. I, I, that's my understanding. So you can read it yourself. And so finally, anyway, so she, she was guilty. She was sentenced to 10 years uh, with the possibility of parole in five. Actually, there was an uproar because the people said that's too lenient. But my point in sharing that is because at the, after the sentencing... There's this courtroom scene where the younger brother of the, the, the victim was given a chance to, to speak. And that's what we're going to watch in a moment. And in this video, something happens that caught everybody off guard and by surprise. In effect, what this young man said, his name is Brant Jean. He's 18 years old. He said that if you have truly... Apologize, which the woman, the police officer, had really done so many times. I mean, she was so distraught. Can you imagine the anguish of shooting someone you thought was a burglar when in fact it wasn't? I mean, that weighs on your conscience, isn't it? And so if that weighs on your conscience, she heard the brother say something that really, I think, started the healing process. You know what the, the young man said? He said, if you're truly sorry, then I want you to know that I forgive you of what you've done towards my brother. And in this scene, we're going to see that moment. And he does something that shocks the whole courtroom. Even the judge herself, who's African-American. I think you understand, 
I don't know if I told you that the man was African-American. And unfortunately, racial tensions are still pretty much happening in the United States. And so the judge herself was African-American. Was, I know, you'll catch it. She herself was, was tearing up. So it's a one-minute video. There's some comments, and then we're going to wrap up. Let's see what happens to this young man. And the, the policewoman, by the way, is a white female, okay, just so you know. Let's watch it. The timid request was entirely unexpected. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Yes. 18-year-old Brant John shocking the courtroom by leaving the stand during his victim impact statement for a most unlikely embrace. Amber Geiger wept as she hugged the younger brother of the man she shot and killed. A jury had just sentenced a former Dallas officer to 10 years in prison for murdering Botham John, an unarmed neighbor she had mistaken for a burglar when she accidentally entered the wrong apartment last September. As for that hug, had you ever seen anything like that before? Never. Even Geiger's defense team was floored. I think he showed with his grace and forgiveness uh, how we should heal, and I hope that people that were upset by the verdict will, will follow his example. The judge so moved, she also hugged Geiger and gave her her personal Bible. That's a powerful picture there. The judge who sentenced Geiger hugs this policewoman, moved by the gesture of the 18-year-old brother. And not only did she do that, the judge gave her own Bible to the police officer. I think it'll help the story to know that Brand Jean and I think the Jean family, Jean, J-E-A-N, was a Christian family. So what do we learn from this story? We learn justice, mercy, and grace, isn't it? Justice because obviously the police officer had to suffer the consequences as accidental as it was, she was responsible for the murder of this man. And so she had to pay with 10 years in prison. But in the midst of justice, I never realized that. I only thought it was Brand, But the judge herself, yes, she, the very same person who banged that gavel and sentenced this woman was the same woman who extended grace by giving her a Bible and saying, and that's really what Brandt did as well. That's what grace is. She did not deserve the forgiveness and she had to pay the price. Yes. But she, this man understood, Brandt, the Christian 18-year-old understood at the end of the day, in fact, he said, you, you can Google it yourself and then just watch it again because there are other videos. He was actually talking about how his desire to, to um, he said, I don't want her to rot in jail. I want her to be able to go. In fact, and this was a shocking thing, I wish she didn't even have to go to jail. Wow. You know, when... Jesus Christ hung on that cross. Remember what His words were? Father, forgive them. 
for they don't know what they are doing. The same Jesus that you and I crucified, it was our sins, comes to you and me and embraces you and me and saying, what do you need? What do you want? That, brothers and sisters, is the throne of grace. Let's bow and pray. Father, thank you. Lord, it seems like we don't fully understand what your grace means. For we were the ones, Lord, who cost you. Just like Peter spoke to the Jews, it was you who had him crucified. It was our sins that crucified Christ. And yet, after his death and he rose again from the dead, he goes to you and me. And extends grace. And he says, I don't want you to rot in jail for eternity. I want you to experience my love. That you can start a new way of life. Father, I ask that you would release that revelation of grace. To every man and woman in this place. So that we might fully grasp. Receiving your grace and extending that grace to a world who's lost. If you're here and you have not received the full forgiveness of sins that Jesus promises to those who acknowledge Him as Lord, I believe now is the time. You may go to church, you may read your Bible, you may pray, but you've never had the assurance that your sins have been forgiven. I want to give you that opportunity now. If that's you, just simply raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. Is there anyone at all? We don't want to leave this place without you having that opportunity. And don't let whatever hinder you from doing that. All right. Wonderful. If all of you have received the forgiveness of God, then let's all stand up and let us lift up our hands in thanksgiving to God. For His mighty grace. Father, we lift up our hands in appreciation. Oh, Father, when we think about those very words, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Lord, that just hits home. You're the same God who accepts us now. Father, may we be a people who truly love You. In Jesus' name. You just heard a message from Victory. For more messages like these, visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app.